You are now entering Frida's world. Join us as we address various issues faced by women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. It's Frida's world. Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f*** with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's World. I hope you guys are having a wonderful week so far. My week has actually been pretty good. I, It's been long. I've been tired, you know, the usual. But I've had some great things happen to me this week, and I just feel this positive energy. Last week, I remember when I was talking to you guys, I was talking about this positive energy that I was feeling. And I know I know the sun was shining last week, and I had attributed my happiness to that. But I'm feeling like I'm getting closer to whatever it is that I feel like is going to make me happy. I don't know exactly what that is yet, but I know that I have been unhappy for a long time and I feel like I'm almost there. I don't know what there is. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm about to get there because I've just been feeling very positive lately. And, you know, I just kind of want to capitalize and seize this feeling and hold on to it for as long as I can. But this week was actually, I don't know, it's been pretty good so far. I know we have a couple more days, so I don't want to jinx it, but um, I'm really hoping that this energy continues. So before I go into what this show is going to be about today, guys, I know I actually don't do a great job of this, but I need you guys to subscribe, to rate and review. I am taking this podcast thing very seriously. I've actually even enrolled in a podcast mogul's uh, course so that I can really hone in on the intricacies of how to really make this podcast successful. And so a part of the success is to get you all who are listening and who tell me all the time that you love the content to subscribe, to rate and review, especially those of you who are iTunes um, people, the iPhone people, my team iPhone, team Apple people. iTunes is where, you know, these shows get rated, they get placed into categories and all of this fancy schmancy stuff that some of the other platforms don't necessarily have. And I would love to one day be a top rated podcaster. And so I need you guys' help. I need your help. So please, you know, while you're listening, right after you're done listening to the show, please subscribe, please rate and please review and share, share with your friends, share the goodness with your people. So today I'm going to have a very special guest by the name of Marley Marcellus Laurent. She has been a guest on the Frida's World podcast. I think season one, when we first started, she was part of the original, the original crew. And so she's going to come on today to talk a little bit about the transition from public sector to private sector. And I thought it was really important for us to talk about this as we are in a new season, we're in spring. Spring signifies change. A lot of you guys are starting to look um, for a change of pace. And some of you guys um, who are in the public sector have probably always had your sights on the private sector. But, you know, there's insecurities in that, right? You've always been working in the public realm. 
You know, what does it look like to to go to the private realm? Will you be accepted? Is it something that you can actually do? A lot of times I included we discount ourselves from several opportunities because we're like, oh, well, we don't have everything checked off, you know, from the requirements list. And so, you know, when things are unknown, we tend to shy away from them. But so we're going to have Marley um, on the show talking about her experience from being, you know, primarily a city government worker and how she took the leap to a private financial institution. And she's killing it in the game. Literally, she's killing it. She's surpassing expectations. And I think it's important that she talk about her experience, you know, what her thought process was. Um, you know, what led her to even make such a change. And hopefully it can inspire some of you guys who've been kind of toying with the idea, but for whatever reason had, you know, reservations, fears, insecurities and whatnot. Hopefully it'll inspire you guys to take the leap as well. I am here with my very special guest, Marley Marcellus. This is the first time we're actually doing the interview or the discussion via call. So I had to make sure that my uh, apparatus was working properly. <laughs> so <laughs> it looks like we have Marley on. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> so Marley, thank you so much for for being available to uh, be this week's guest on Frida's World. Not a problem. My pleasure. I know you are no stranger to the Frida's World stage, as I think we've had at least one episode in the past together, correct? Yeah. Yes, from the beginning last year. Yes, she was part of the original, original guest list. So (laughs) good to see that you're still available to be on again. (laughs) I am at your service. (laughs) Thank you. So for those of you who don't know, Marley and I, we go way back from the district attorney days. Uh, We started off our, I guess, our legal careers together and ended up in the same bureau and became office mates and work wives. (laughs) Yes, you're still my work wife. Yes, exactly. I tell people the same thing. That's my work wife. And from then, you know, we she left the office first and then I left maybe like a couple months later. But we were still able to maintain our friendship so much so that I am the godmother of her first baby. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to put that out there. Yes. Um, <laughs> but this week, um, so the reason I asked Marley to be a guest on this this week's show is because I wanted to talk about um, the transitions between, you know, different sectors. So the private sector to the public sector, public sector to the private sector, Etc. And I find that in this time, um, a lot of people are looking to make career moves. They're looking to, you know, make these transitions. And a lot of people are kind of, you know, frightened, especially if you come yeah. from the public, you know, sphere, knowing nothing really about the, the, the private sphere. You know, it's a little mm-hmm. intimidating. So I know, Marley, you had made that leap from, you know, being a city worker for so many years and jumping yeah. now into not just the private sector, but the private financial sector, which is an area that you're, you weren't ever familiar with. Which is a beast 
of its own. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to talk about, you know, a little bit about your background so people, you know, it's been a while since we've had, you know, a lot of changes have happened since the last time you were on this show. I know. She's I have a second baby now. Yeah. So she's a mother of two, <laughs> two beautiful girls. So definitely give us a little bit, you know, a little bit of information, a little bit of update, and then let's get into, you know, the transition, the, the leap really. Okay. Well, um, as you said, I am a former prosecutor. We both prosecuted at the Brooklyn DA's office, prosecuting domestic violence, nail abuse, fun time. <laughs> Serious topic, but fun time. Yeah. Um, after I left the office, I went to the New York City Council. I can say that was definitely one of my favorite city jobs um, in that I was able to explore different different areas um, and in-house um, and government work. I think a lot of people, when they think of in-house, they think of just like um, corporate. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know that there's actually, you know, in-house for government. And, you know, I really enjoy doing that work. But after, after I had my second baby, you know, since I was at the DA's office, I always wanted to explore the private sector and specifically compliance. Mm-hmm. And I think once I had my second baby, I made the, the big move to Jersey. That was like the prime opportunity for me to leave city government and just put myself out there for whatever um, opportunities um, that were um, out there um, in the in the private sector world. So currently now I am doing um, compliance, specifically anti-money laundering investigation, um, fighting financial crimes, um, as we like to say. Um, <laughs> it's very intriguing. It's definitely not, it's definitely not prosecuting because you know it's more of keeping the bank as a financial institution, out of trouble, okay. making sure that its clients are, you know, their activities are legal <laughs> and not suspicious. Um, <laughs> no fraudulent activity. No fraudulent activity. So it's definitely, it's intriguing, it's interesting. Um, and I'm learning a lot thus far. So that's where I am right now. And I'm sure there's You'll probably have a lot of questions how I went about the transition. So Yeah, I I mean, I I definitely want to go through that because, again, you know, a lot of people when, you know, the bulk of their career, at least or the first half of their career, when it's been, you know, grounded in city and government work, um, you know, it's I find that sometimes, you know, thinking about private institutions, financial institutions um, tends to be something that, you know, that thought is a little bit. I know daunting, right? Because it's like, you know, I've always done, you know, I've always worked in these particular institutions. I've always, you know, had a particular, you know, whether you were coming from a DA's office, a legal aid office, or mm-hmm. even some of these other, you know, um, I guess legal, um, you know, litigation type um, of spaces, there's always like a particular structure, right? Even though you might mm-hmm. not know exactly that particular area of law, you know that after like a week or two, you'll figure out what the process is and you'll be right at home. Yes. But we're talking about jumping 
to a totally different field, totally different sector that doesn't necessarily, you know, I mean, the skills are always transferable, but in terms mm-hmm. of the process, right, it's not the same process. And so I guess I want to kind of get you to talk about, you know, that first week, that first month where you shifted gears, uh, you know, what was that experience? Like, what was the, what was your mindset during that time? You know, were you, did you think, oh my God, I made a mistake. What's happening here? You know, what's going on? You know, actually, um, I did. The first week was quite daunting. And, and I say this because, you know, once you're used to a certain structure, you're used to a certain um, work environment. When you venture into something new, you do carry the hope that it will be similar. And if it's different, it's not too different that you, you know, you'll regret it. Um, I think um, for me, first of all, with compliance work, they have this, this thing with compliance work lately is that they make it hard to get because they want people with experience. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who want to get experience in compliance. Yeah. So it's like, you're not getting the job because you don't have it's like it's a second. It's a cash for me too. Um, I've been wanting to get into compliance for a while because, you know, we have a lot of our, you know, mutual friends who are able to translate their investigative um, experience from the DA's office and, and go into that field in different banks. Mm-hmm. But, have applied numerous times, nothing. But then I got this interview with my current employer. The first thing I did, I think that was different, just to facilitate my transition. Mm-hmm. I reached out to some of my um, um, some of our colleagues who are currently in the in the field because I think interviewing for a city government job is completely different from interviewing for a, a, a financial um, financial industry job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had their assistance. They were able to really coach me and, you know, test my knowledge, like test my interest. They wanted to make sure that one my interest was genuine and how do I, you know, articulate my interest in a language that, you know, the finest minded you know, people understand, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that was very helpful. Now, my first week was more like, okay, this is different. I can do this. You know, there's the expectations is quite different in the sense where when we started at the, at the, at the DA's office, we had like a training. We had training. We had, you know... I wouldn't say a nice honeymoon stage, but we kind of had a nice little honeymoon stage. Yeah, we had some sort of guidance. We weren't yes. thrown into the wolves like the first yeah. week. Yeah. Second week, but, yes, but not the first week. <laughs> exactly. Now, in compliance, because they generally hire people who are already who already have experience in compliance, there's a level of they do expect you to learn things much quicker. And they expect the expectation in terms of grasping everything within a short amount of time is definitely um, that was a bit of a change for me. Okay. But nevertheless, it was manageable. I think 
one of the things that I, you know, I thought was different for me as well is that, you know, in our regular legal field, we do have a lot of autonomy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't think I would miss the amount of autonomy that we have until (laughs) I started working where um, the chain of command and the financial institutions, everything you do is reviewed by so many different eyes. Okay. By the time, you know, you're done, your work would have gone through so many uh, uh, different levels of review. So I think in that sense, I think that was a bit of, um, you know, like, not a complete loss of autonomy, but definitely one that I felt was um, was notable. Okay. So that's the difference. Now, the what I find similar is that, you know, as attorneys, one of the things that I always say is that we're versatile. Um, the skill set that we have, we are able to transfer it in any other field. It's just a matter of learning the basics. Mm-hmm. you know, learning the language, but, you know, a critical thinking or sound judgment or way of eva- or ways of evaluating, you know, a set of facts is really the same because I'm still working with a caseload the same way I, I, I did um, when I was at the DA's office. I'm still um, reviewing issues that pose, you know, certain conflict of interest the same way I did, um, you know, at the council. Mm-hmm. So it's really not that it's different because right now, you know, it's primarily, you know, you're dealing with transactions. You, you need to learn how to read transactions. Mm-hmm. Before my current position, you know, if I see, uh, you know, the type of transactions that I'm able to read now, I wouldn't be able to read them. There's a structure to how they do things. It's a very, it's make, it, it, there's a lot of, um, it's technical but once you learn that technicality of it, you are able to still apply the same legal mind that you use for your regular legal work. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that, you know, for me, that's the um, satisfaction that I'm currently finding in compliance is that, you know, I'm, a- I'm still able to use my skills. I'm not losing my skills. I'm, I'm still enhancing them and I'm still, you know, using them. I think uh, one thing you mentioned earlier was really, really important. The fact that, you know, you reached out to friends and former colleagues that were in, that made the leap and that were in this particular industry, you kind of got, you know, familiar, I guess, with um, maybe some of the day-to-day, some of the different Mm -hmm. things that you, that you know, that you would, that you are now doing, you kind Mm -hmm. of got some sort of like insight before going into the interview as Mm -hmm. to what life, you know, working in this particular area would be like. Yes. And I think that that's definitely, you know, when you're thinking about making a switch, a career, you know, change or uh, industry change or anything like that, you know, empowering yourself with information sounds like it's, it's not just helpful, but it's necessary because if you didn't speak to these friends, you'd probably, Mm -hmm. You know, you'd go through the interview, but maybe you wouldn't do it, you know, in a way that would have gotten you the job. Yes. And I mean, I think, you know, and the reason why it's so important is because, you know, you don't want to, we all make mistakes. We all make, we will make career moves and, you know, and we'll think back five years later, like, wow, I did I really do that? Mm-hmm. But I think 
and equipping yourself with the necessary information and learning the day to day from the perspective of your friends, even if it's not exactly 100 percent, it really gives you, you know, an insider view. Mm -hmm. So when you're when, you know, when I went in there my first week, I was talking, you know, their language. But, you know, for a person who had no compliance experience, it's because I had already had served several conversations with my friends who were, you know, who gave me the time to really educate me on, you know, on the culture, on the environment, Mm -hmm. you know, because these are things that, you know, you know, that may be a shock value to someone coming from city government. Yeah. That may be a shock value coming from a law firm. Yeah. You know, so it's important to never go into a new area completely blind. I think that's not prudent mm-hmm. to do. I think it's really important to, you know, like there's so much information available online. You can always read, which is important, but I think it's so valuable to really have that insight, insider information from the perspective of colleagues and friends who are currently in the field. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely important. And I feel like something else you said was also key. Um, a lot of times I find that when people are making these career moves or are wanting to make these like uh, career you know, moves, um, they oftentimes, when they see the job description, they take they count themselves out and so they're like Mm -hmm. man they're saying that you need three years of compliance um you know background i don't have that i'm not gonna apply this job and i'm and i'm saying this from as somebody who has often done that i'll see Mm -hmm. the job description i'm like i don't have this i might have like other things but the one thing that they'll say requirement i'll say well i don't have you know, uh, experience in human resources, right. Or experience in a particular area of law that they're, you know, claiming that I would, you know, would need to know. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of times when we see these job, um, these job descriptions, we automatically say, well, if we don't have it, then there's no need to apply as opposed to what it looks like you did was you saw that there was a job description that you know, didn't necessarily, I guess, fit you a hundred percent, but what you did was you drew upon the skills that you knew you had and figured out how you were going to, you know, I guess, explain or fill in the holes in a sense. Right. Yes. And I mean, listen, we are right now and we are in a world right now, automatically people are already counting you out. You Mm -hmm. don't need to do that for yourself. Yeah. You don't need to count yourself out. I think it's a matter of rebranding yourself. It's a matter of repurposing your education and experience. Mm. Um, When I, when I decided to just really seriously consider uh, um, applying for compliance um, jobs, I, I took a hard look at my resume. My resume was very city government driven, you know, like, it, it looked like I was going to be a lifer in the city government, which yeah. I still don't discount that, you know, that still can still be uh, a part of my, my, um, um, end goal. Mm-hmm. But it was important for me to really evaluate certain things and try to, you know, make it more relevant because there are certain skills that you have if you don't communicate it to an employer, either in your resume or your cover letter, how it is relevant to what they're looking for, 
they're not going to find it relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, they're and not going to fill in the blank and say, oh, blank. well, she's an investigator. Maybe exactly. she might be able to investigate my type of cases. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I still remember, I, I one time I spoke with a recruiter and I had a good 20 minutes conversation with the recruiter. He was so excited about my prosecutorial experience. Mm-hmm. And then he asked me to send uh, my resume. When I sent him my resume, he called me back immediately. He's like, wait. I'm not seeing all these things that we talked about in your resume. Mm. And he's like, why is that? And I'm like, well, you know, we were just talking. He's like, no, no, no. Like these, the things that we just discussed, everything that I elicited from the conversation, I want to see a synopsis of it in your resume because that's what drew me to even want me to, uh, uh, want you to actually go to the next level to send your resume for X and X jobs. So mm-hmm. I think that's very important for us to do. I mean, it's a hard job to say the truth. I mean, you can look at your resume 20 times and still don't know how to reconstruct, uh, reconstruct your resume. And I think that's where it's important to elicit, you know, help. I mean, I'm one of those people, I am not, um, you know, I am not rich. I do not have a money tree in the backyard. <laughs> However, I feel like, you know, sometimes you need to know your lane. You know, I understand we're we're on budgets and everybody's like, listen, we need to, you know, I don't have money for all this. I'm going to do it myself. But I have been a victim of the do it yourself Mm -hmm. where you've done it yourself because, you know, you're like, oh, I can save some money here. And it was to your detriment. And I find that to be the same when it comes to the resume and cover letter writing. There are people who go to school for this or who have taken classes or (laughs) they've obtained certifications (laughs) to be resume review people because they know it's, you know, I've learned over the years that when it comes to resumes, it's not just what's on the paper. There are certain keywords that certain systems, like if, if I'm going to a recruiter, I'm going to like a large firm or company, they actually like your, your resume goes through some sort of like electronic system first. Yes. Yes. And if those keywords that, you know, if your resume does not have certain keywords, your resume will never end up on anybody's desk. It's going to go in the trash. No matter how amazing you are, if the keywords are not in there, you're, you're done. And most yes. of us, we didn't go to school for resume writing. We don't know what these keywords are. Nobody sat down and, and, you know, and gave us a talk or seminar or workshop on keywords and seminars. I mean, not seminars, but keywords <laughs> in resumes. Yeah. And so I find that a lot of times, you know, we're like, oh, we're legal writers, we're this, we're that. We we put together our own resume, not realizing that, you know, we don't we don't really know all of the tricks of the trade. Because it's it's a numbers game a lot of times too, right? It is, it is. But again, you know, these are these are things that we can it's it doesn't take that much time for us to make those type of evaluation, mm-hmm. you know, one, one, having one generic resume does not, does not, um, equate success in obtaining, um, you know, a, a job interview Yeah, because, you know, it's important to read what they're looking for and to assess what your skills are, Yeah, you know, and, you know, and you make it work for yourself. And I think again, you know, not to pump our own horn, but I really do think, you know, as attorneys, we are, we do have that versatility. 
where you can really draw relevance of your past experiences, even if it's litigation. There are skill set in litigation that's useful and 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 finance. Mm-hmm. You know that quick thinkingness. You know the, the you know the you know the dealing with caseloads. You know so things like that. And the attention to detail and being and the, able exactly. to you know you know cite you know spot a problem. Exactly. You know. You know? Yeah. And I, and I think these things are you know if you if you if you if a if a job description, if you are intimidated by a job description just by by thinking that, oh my God, I don't have this one thing they're looking for or, or that, that one major certification they required, then I think that's, you know, that's, that's cutting yourself short. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think in the, the day and age that we are right now, I think we should all strive for any job that we want. Yeah. You know, and just go for it. But you really want to make sure that some of the basics with regards to, you know, cover letter writing. I mean, you know, you know, I love writing cover letters. Yes. And I will, I mean, <laughs> since you've made that announcement, um, if you guys are interested in somebody writing your cover letter, send no. an email to Frida's world at gmail.com. <laughs> and I will put together uh, a package for you and Marley, <laughs> you know, I got to get a kickback from this. I know. And Marley will review your resume or your resume and cover letter. Um, um, no comment as to that. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on the business plan as we speak. <laughs> We're working. <laughs> you know, but I think, you know, I think, I think we, Rita, like the transitioning from, from one type of um, career to another is hard. It's daunting and, and it's scary. But I think that, you know, there's so much reward. Um, and trying something new. You may try something new and you, you end up not liking it. Okay, at least you tried it. And, and I think that you that's know? what a lot of people are afraid of because when, and it's interesting because I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago and they were saying that, you know, I guess I don't want to say just millennials, but in this day and age, uh, professionals are not staying at their jobs for like five years, 10 years, 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the typical, you know, moving rate is two years, like every two years, somebody will move and, and go to another, another job. It might be still within the same industry, but you're not finding so many people sticking around, you know, at a company for like, you know, like said, five, 10, 15, whatever years. And so I think that with that being said, I mean, if you're with a company, that's great. And you can move in upside, you know, sideways, downwards, whatever, stay with the company, you know, and mm-hmm. if you, you know, establish your longevity and your seniority there. But I think that people, you know, are afraid sometimes of making the leap because, well, if I don't like it, then man, I got to go look for another job. But I'm like, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. It's not abnormal anymore when you're in an interview for somebody to say, why did you move around so much in the last 10 mm-hmm. years? I think it's become, it's to the point where if you don't move around, I think people are asking questions because it's <laughs> like people move either for a better opportunity or for more money. Yes. And so, yes. you know, that's always something that, you know, if you're one of those individuals who are like, man, how do I explain this? That's one thing you can say, like, you know, you moved for a different opportunity or you moved for more money. Like those are very legitimate, especially in this day and age. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, there is a lot of fear, especially, yes. you know, going from public to private. Because In the public world, in the government, city government world, there is a level of like 
Security. Security. There is a level of comfort. Even, you know, when you're a government city employee and not to say that the work is 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 easy or anything like that. The work is crazy, but Mm -hmm. there is a level of security. There is a level of I mean, I think there might be even a little level of humanity (laughs) in the public sector that a lot of times you don't find in the private sector. It might be a little more cutthroat. It's a little Mm -hmm. more numbers driven. I mean. It's it's interesting that you say that because while I do think that, you know, I am finding that in the private sector, it is more numbers driven. I do think that certain employers, um, particularly where I am right now, I could see a global attempt to create some kind of um, um, employee friendly environment. Mm, okay. You know, there's okay. like work life balance initiatives. Okay. You know, things that really, you know, that attracts employees. And just to kind of go back to what you just said about, you know, like the moving around from job to job, I think that all of us have different reasons. As it could be money, it could be, you know, work life balance, mm-hmm. it could be, you know, um, satisfaction with the work. What I find um, interesting is that more and more people, as you progress in your life, depending on how your life change, those situations will determine your next career move. It may not, some people will give up money over work-life balance because at the time in their life, that's what is more important. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, at an earlier stage of your career, the money, I mean, the money is always going to be important. Listen, the money is always, always important, okay? It's <laughs> always important. Always important. <laughs> you know, let's not lie to ourselves. <laughs> but, you know, some people will take that 10K pay cut Mercy. if they guarantee. <laughs> You're like, whoa, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts just by you saying it. <laughs> I know. I just visualized it. I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, I don't know about that. Mm, not my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, again, you know, to each his own, you know, like we do have different reasons for, you know, for, you know, moving around. But I don't know. I think it's important to, you know, you have to move with caution, you know, like if, yeah. you, you, if you're going to make the move, don't do it, you know, out of whim. Because you don't like your boss. I mean, like, newsflash, a lot of people don't like their bosses. Yeah. My thing is, am I still getting my pay? Yeah, exactly. Am I, am I still taking the check to the bank? Am I still getting you know a direct deposit? Exactly. You know, that's important. You know, are you still finding that job satisfaction? You know, so I think sometimes when people focus on that one specific thing at a job that they hate, I think they need to reevaluate because you may run from a job for that one thing and then you go to a different job you have multiple things now yeah to worry about yeah you I know think that's definitely a good point I, I find that I mean it happens often because sometimes you know we're just like we know we've had we've had it right we've had it and then especially in this particular day and age where you know social media makes you think that you can quit your job and like <laughs> right and like I don't know <laughs> Become a, I don't know, have like your own like Etsy shop the next day and become a millionaire. 
or be a YouTube wig reviewer and then next thing you know you're a millionaire like it's it's I don't know I feel like social media and just like I don't know just dreams dreams are crazy nowadays but I think that you know to your point uh part of I think I think what we what myself you and everybody else listening should really get out of this conversation is that there has to be a hard conversation with yourself first what is it that I want what am I looking for there needs to be like you know pull out that legal pad if you're an attorney and do like a pro and a con list and I think that's really what needs to happen first before thinking about switching industries changing from public Mm -hmm. to private or and or vice versa I think there has to be a hard conversation a real talk with yourself to look for what is it you want what are you looking out of this you know is it money is it job satisfaction are you willing to take the pay cut you know there needs to be some sort of research on the different industry and the culture of where you're trying to go because I think culture you know I know we've talked about this on on our show and even off offline between you and I but -hmm. culture has a lot to play in like you know your your I don't know your um your happiness your your job performance and all of that and so when when you think about it you spend most of your time at work yeah so the culture if the culture is negative or if it's not to if it's not conducive to your health Mm -hmm. that's probably a you know a red flag for you to start evaluating things yeah and that's you know? within that's regardless of industry too or mm-hmm. uh, or sectors because some people think that within the public sector they're shielded more so from a lot of the craziness that goes on in the private sector so like again we talked about the security and, and, yeah. and whatnot and so some people will will stay in the public sector because of the the fears of whatever rumors or whatever ideas they have of the private sector being a shark, you know, a sharky environment, cutthroat environment, culture, you know, is just horrible. Um, usually that's what people think about when they think about private, they think about, oh, the culture sucks. But sucky cultures, you know, also exist in the, in the, in the public sector. Yeah. So that's not really a reason for people to fear moving to private land, um, you know, because of culture. I agree. And, you know, I don't want to jinx myself, but I, I feel fortunate that I've had I've had the good fortune to really like both my former boss <laughs> and my current boss. You've been lucky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I say it's good fortune because, you know, in reality, sometimes that's actually not very common. Listen, you know, listen. Um, <laughs> A bad boss can create a really, really terrible culture. Yeah. Right. But if your if your boss is micro, or if that your boss has you know that one weird thing that he like he or she likes to do, that's probably not going to be a reason for me to quit. Yeah. But if my boss is a terrible boss, where every day I'm 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 wondering should I make it to work today? That's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. You know, but. These are, these are, talking to current, first of all, another thing I forgot to mention, Rita, reading reviews, reading reviews online, I do it. Every time I get an interview, 
I googled not just the company website because we know we're not gonna get the you know the you're not gonna get the, the tea. Dirt. You're not gonna you're get not the gonna tea. Get the tea. You want to go to Glassdoor reviews. You want to go to Indeed reviews. Mm-hmm. You really want to. I mean, yes, you. There will be a couple of disgruntled employees talking like this company sucks. Of course, you know, it's a given. But when ninety five percent of the reviews. <laughs> Because that happened to me with this with this firm that I was looking into. And I will say 95% of the reviews were like, run, don't do it to yourself. I mean, so then that's your that's your sign, right? <laughs> that's your sign. You know, you have we have to research, research, use our network. Yeah. You know, use the public domain to the information is available. It definitely is. You know, people are not holding their tongues either. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <You> man. <laughs> so circling back to, um, you know, your jump from public to private. I mean, it sounds like you're enjoying the challenge that's presented before you with this new venture. Um do you think you might stay in the private, you know, for 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 a while or are you are you now saying, you know what, public was good to me. At some point I want to get back there. You know, I think even if I'm currently enjoying what I'm learning, mm-hmm. I think there's things about the public sector that's still going to remain attractive to me, mm-hmm. that's still going to pull me back in. Only because I think it's it really ties to my heart, you know, like things that deal with public service. Yeah. You know, when you're working in the private sector, it's not to say, I mean, again, you can helping or doing good is so broad. You can you can find it in the private sector. You can do good in the private sector. Yeah, there's opportunities, pro bono opportunities. Yeah. You know, but I do think for me, um, just in terms of like my legal career path, mm-hmm. I do see myself eventually going back. Um, I think that the um, experience that I'm acquiring right now will set myself, will, will set my career up to continue to do that okay. eventually in the public sector. Um, um, it doesn't, every experience you can build uh, upon every experience yeah that you acquire you know and you can you can you can draw derive a story or like that big theme mm-hmm. uh, for lack of better words um for yourself so i think that's what i'm in the process of doing right now i'm in the process of consolidating everything you know my my three big experiences and to see exactly where i where i want to see myself in the next 5 years and i think with that it's all again, it goes back to planning the yes. vision, sitting yes. down and like, I mean, and, and we know, I mean, visions change, you know, mm-hmm. from month to month, year to year, but sitting down and saying to yourself, I feel like people don't do that anymore. It, it's like to the point where people think it's cliche when they're like, where do you see yourself in five years? But that's a very important question, especially if you're wanting to remain a professional. Unfortunately, yes. most of us do not have the great fortune to meet a basketball player or to meet, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, or win the lottery, you know, a, or win the a, a lottery, prince, a prince that will bestow upon us uh, fortune upon fortune, and so we have to really think about our futures. And the other day, you know, I had a depressing moment when I was like, "Man, 
I got 30 to 40 more years of this, of working. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it was very depressing for me at that point. But I think that, you know, we all need to really sit down and like, you know, what is the vision? What's the plan for the next five years? Yes. Even if it changes, yes. but at least have some sort of blueprint so that when we're thinking about career moves, like like what you just said, you know, you were in the in the public sector, now you're in the private, but you have plans to go back to the public because you there's certain things that you appreciate from the public sector that you may or may not get in the long run in the private sector. But you're you know, you're 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 saying I'm not just gonna go back to the public sector though. I'm gonna build upon it. And you know, yes. I'm assuming you're thinking you're gonna be a boss in the public Listen, sector. Of course. Right? Because of all the experience. But it's like Everything you're doing is strategic. And I think we yes. lack strategy when we're yes. making these jumps and leaps. Like we're moving around with no real plan, no strategy. And I think that's where a lot of us end up failing because there's no, there's no strategy. There's no plan. I completely agree. And let me tell you, when you interview with employers, they can sense when you do not know what you're doing. They can sense when you're when you're just looking just to look mm -hmm. because the questions they ask you you know why do you want to work for this company why are you leaving why are you leaving your current job mm -hmm. they're not asking just to ask those questions they actually want to see does this person have a plan yeah because it's how you articulate your vision how you articulate your moves that's how they'll determine okay i can see this person has a plan this person there's things about this person. Um, this person have clear vision, mm -hmm. clear steps. But if we don't do those type of self-assessment, you know, evaluation of of where we were and where we're going, we're just going to appear as you know lost. You don't yeah. want. You never want to appear lost. Yeah. At an interview, and you certainly don't want to. Uh, uh, you don't want to be, um, to feel stuck at a job. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, even, in, I mean, in all transparency, even myself, you know, you know, are, have feelings of being stuck because it's mm -hmm. like, you know, when I left my former job to, to come where I am now, it was kind of like, a, I need to get out of here. You know, it was mm -hmm. a mass oh, exodus. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody I mean. <laughs> was leaving. It was just like, you know, when when the feds roll up into a financial institution <laughs> and people are like, yo, I gotta get out. And so that's kind of what was happening. Everybody was leaving. And so for me, I'm like, I cannot be here anymore. I had a whole patch of gray hair that came out of nowhere. So I had to run. And you know, fortunate for me, fortunately for me, I guess. Um, I ran into a opportunity that was financially sound for yes. me. It was, you know, very much financially sound and it was able to allow me to hone in on certain skills. So I don't regret, you know, coming or landing where I landed after the mass exodus. But I think that now that I've been there for several years now, it's like this was not part of like my strategic plan to end up in this particular industry. Mm -hmm. this particular sector of the law. Um, but I do appreciate what I've been able to gain from it. So it was still valuable. But now that I'm, you know, doing my self-assessment and I want to also make a change and it's like, kind of like how you went from public to private, 
I'm kind of considering that type of leap as well. But I have mm-hmm. to sit back and say, why do you want to go to private? Yes. What are the what are you seeking that you feel like you can't get within the realm that you're in now? So I think, you know, that's really important when we're talking about these types of transitions because it it, it kind of matters, you know, where you end up, where you go, you know, what you do next. It all it all it all has to tie in somewhere. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think we you're never going to feel 100% confident when you make a move. I mean, mm-hmm. if if somebody feels 100% on the outset, I would love to talk to them because mm-hmm. I don't think that's possible. I think you're always going to have some kind of um, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of nervousness. I think it should not be such that it impairs you. Mm-hmm. You know, it should, it should, that should be something that, is within you to keep your eye open to, you know, as you assess your new work environment, Mm -hmm. um, to see if it's, if it suits your, you know, your, your current situation. I think that's what it should be used for. But I think, again, I think it's all about making those type of assessment and, you know, really going for things that you, that fits what you want right now. And what you think that in the long run will benefit you. Like, you know, there's the short-term goals and the long-term goals. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, you know, I um, I find valuable at my current um, um, employment is that at the beginning of the year, everyone is required to write their goals, their objectives. And then mid-year, you have to, you go back to those goals to see, um, where you are. And I think what I've been managing to do now, not only I do it for my work, I also do it on a personal level because I want to make sure that whatever I wrote for my job, I'm getting some personal satisfaction as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, like writing as you look right now, like, you know, for your own transition, start, start making those assessments where you are right now. What are some new things you're learning right now at your job that you can possibly transfer um, to the, the, the um, uh, opportunities you're seeking? Yeah, exactly. I think all of that is definitely necessary. And I definitely, I feel like, you know, if we were to, if people were to incorporate a little bit, of what was talked about today, <laughs> Maybe, you know, and even in myself as well, too, because it's like I'm talking about this and I'm like, yes, Rita. Hmm. As we talk about this all the time. We talk about this every day. So I'm like, you know, now I need to start uh, actually implementing some of this because I will say again, I am I am still one of those individuals who will see a job description like out. You know, you guys are always looking out for me and you'll send me a job description. I'm like, mm, I don't have that, though. <laughs> and you know I'm always the pusher. I'm I am like, the pusher. I don't have that. Sorry guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, but I don't have that, so I can't apply to this job. And so, you know, as much advice as I give out, I also have to like sit down and say, well, okay, you don't have that, but what is it in your in your bag of tricks <laughs> that yes. you can pull yes. out and mimic what it is that they need? You know, sometimes I've actually went to interviews where I'm like, listen. I know I don't have what it is that you're asking here, but let me tell you how I could be of service. Yes, yes. <laughs> so sometimes yes. you have to be creative with it, right? Yes. Oh, yes. man. 
All right. Well, Marley, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about um, your transition from public to private. I think this conversation is necessary, especially, like I said, we're in that uh, we're in that um, season, right? That spring season where people are looking for a a fresh start. They're you know, they're starting to like look for new jobs and just, you know, figure out where they need to be. And I, and I've heard it even from, you know, some of my friends, like Mm -hmm. they're interested in private sector work, but you know, a lot of us have been pigeonholed, you know, we're, I've been pigeonholed by being a public, public sector worker. And so sometimes, you know, when we see our, our friends and our colleagues make these leaps that we thought was a little impossible, um, you know, to, I guess, to, to make, um, it's important for us to highlight these individuals and kind of like get the gems and get the jewels as to how they did it. And, you know, what the thought process is, um, you know, going through something yeah. like that. Cause it's not as easy as people make it seem. People are like, Oh, you just applied for no. a job, but no, it's, it's not easy, you know, to make, cause it's, it's definitely a change. There is definitely a difference between the public and the private sector. And, you know, it's, at the end of the day, though, I think we've decided that it's really about what <laughs> what you need as an individual, what your wants yes. are, what your what your desires are, what you need. So, yes, agree and agree. <laughs> <laughs> Confirm. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> well, thank right, you for Marley. having me, Rita. No, of I course. hope I was useful. I mean, you're always useful, Marley. Come <laughs> on now. Um, definitely we'll have you on for, you know, other episodes. Um, but definitely appreciated you taking out the time, you know, for this week just to touch upon this particular topic. So with that being said, everyone, it is a wrap for this episode of Frida's World. Marley, again, thank you so much. And I mean, I don't know. Are you sharing Instagrams? Do you need followers? <laughs> Do, you, oh. <laughs> Do you want, how can we, how can we follow you, Marley, so we can see your progress? <laughs> I, uh, no comment. <laughs> you know, I never, I'm on the private side. <laughs> so, which means, which means Marley's Instagram is uh, blocked. You must, you must, not blocked, but uh, it's restricted. <laughs> restricted. <laughs> it's restricted. All right. Well, if you guys All have right. questions about Marley, just hit me up and I will All filter right. them for her. <laughs> have a good week, everyone. It's Frida's world. Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you. Future, that's classic. It's Frida's world.